Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast. It is, as you listen to us the week after Wimbledon, for us... It is the week before Wimbledon. It is all ahead of us. So don't tell us what happens. Uh, You'll know that by now. It's amazing to project two and a half weeks into the future and imagine the people that we will be then after having recorded, uh, what will it be, 16 podcasts by that point, David? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, they are all ahead of us. That's making me nervous. (laughs) And we cannot wait. As you can hear, I'm here. David's here. Hello, David. Hello. And for this show, we have a very special guest, a debutante on the tennis podcast, Senior Vice President of IMG, the sports and entertainment events and talent management company and head of IMG's tennis division. It is Max Eisenbud. Max, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. What a nice introduction and a pleasure to be here above court 18. It's beautiful. You can't ask for anything better than this. Yeah, it is an absolutely stunning spot. I'm sure lots of you will have seen us in this spot over the course of the last couple of weeks uh, doing our live YouTube shows from Wimbledon. That is, of course, unless there was a, a grave technical difficulty <laughs> on day one. No, You're just trying to freak da- me David's out David's still not laughing about that prospect yet. <laughs> not, not Max, yet. you've been a, a long-time target of ours as an interview guest on the Tennis Podcast, particularly David's. He's heard you on a number of other podcasts and... We're excited about this. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't, it's probably not too many people in this industry that are, I'm on a list of, so I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I don't do too many, as you probably know, but uh, I enjoy doing the podcast. I think it's a great format and I've been watching what you guys have been doing. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. You you must have been coming here how long now? 20 years? Um, I believe my first Wimbledon was 2001 was my first Wimbledon and I've been to every one except one maybe the first you know the the uh, COVID mm. what will a typical Wimbledon day look like for you and I know the answer to this is there's no typical day but yeah. generally speaking for you know a lot of people listening to this will will know about agents know very sort of broadly what that role is but what does it actually look like day to day 
That's a loaded question, and I think one of the great things about being an agent in the tennis world is you don't know until you wake up what that day is going to look like. Um, but uh, for me, so just to back up a little bit, I mean, for the five years this tournament, I became head of the IMG Tennis Division, which changed my role a little bit. Now I'm overseeing 20 agents, all of our business. I'm still managing some clients, but um, more overseeing the whole business. Um, and then before that, I was an agent representing, you know, a bunch of players. So as an agent, this tournament is, uh, I mean, if this tournament's special for a gazillion reasons. I think we all know that. Um, but for an agent, um, especially an IMG agent, this is kind of the nerve center of the year for us. Um, we rent uh, three large houses walking distance from the courts. Um, we are doing massive entertainment of brands, um, clients, um, and really, you know, from meetings at 7.30 in the morning till up till 2 a.m. doing emails, our day is uh, doing everything from spending time with our clients, uh, sometimes watching our clients play, um, meeting with uh, all the brands, all the sponsors. Uh, it's a great opportunity. A lot of time uh, clients come with their parents, so it's an opportunity you don't see the parents for a year, and you get the opportunity to sit down. So this tournament... Um, is all-encompassing um and and just you know the tournament of the year you know even to the agents you know it's for the players i think it's for everybody in the industry uh it's a special place and for agents it's it's no different Mm. you you mentioned 2001 was your first year yeah well that wasn't very long until you were suddenly presented with one of the biggest stories that the sport has known in terms of a newcomer yeah. winning this title. And obviously I'm talking about Maria Sharapova there. Yeah. That's quite early in your tenure as, a, as an yeah. agent. What, what was that like to suddenly be presented with that situation? Yeah, and again, I use the word special again because my career kind of started here, right? I tell people all the time that I, on you know July 2nd or 3rd, I was some kind of idiot little young agent at IMG. And then on July 4th when she won Wimbledon, you know, I was thrusted into this this unbelievable career and life and her life changed my life changed so that was a very special moment that nobody can no one can ever prepare for Uh, I was lucky enough to work with her since she was 11 years old right time right place um built an unbelievable bond with her I still manage her to this day 23 years and everything I have in my career is because of her that win opened up you know many doors and opportunities for me um and just was really lucky so this place besides being special for everyone else is double special for me because it's where it all happened for me mm. you you were in that box in the yeah. player box watching that all unfold yes i remember interviewing maria the year before i okay. think and on bbc radio and i remember asking her what, what do you want to do in this sport what do you hope to achieve and she was within an instant she said i want to be number one in the world right and was that the player that you met when you first met her, I guess several years earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, she was, besides being an amazing player at age 11 when I first saw her play, she just, and I think you guys all saw it through her career, she was all business, she knew what she wanted, Uh, she dedicated her time and energy to becoming the best she can be. I mean, I tell people all the time, she's probably the worst athlete that, and I'll tell her if she was here, the worst athlete to ever win a Grand Slam. 
Um, and she can't throw. She can't pass. She has no touch, you know. <laughs> but she, you know, willed her way. I think she was one of the most mentally strong players to ever play the game. And I would put her uh, on that list with, with all the great champions. She just wasn't the athlete that these other players were. Um, so... Uh, yeah, she knew what she wanted um, in business, uh, on and off the court. Um, amazing young lady. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to go see her and her baby in a few hours. So it's uh, very great. You say you, you worked with her since she was 11 years of age. How typical is that? Like, what's the – how early are you talent spotting and trying to sign up young players? I think that's a little rare. Um, you know, we – you know, one of my colleagues, Albert Molina, spotted Carlos Alcaraz at age 12 and signed him. So there are some times that we are signing players that young. Usually we like to wait as, uh, you know, 13, 14 to see the maturity. But sometimes that special player comes along um, that it's just so obvious that you want to be part of. And, you know, we're proud, and this goes back to McCormick days, we're, we're proud to be part of the developmental process Um uh, so you you sign a young player at 11, um, you know, we're not getting any financial gain off that until that player becomes 19, 20 years old. So that's a long time, seven, eight years that we're part of the developmental process, um, and that's helping them get to the right coaching, helping them funding to get to the tournaments. And we take a lot of pride in, in that development because sometimes if you leave it up to the federations or you leave it up to the family, it's not going to get done. So we really feel proud of that we're part of that process of helping them develop to become great champions. If you sign, let's say you sign a fourteen-year-old, yeah. um, and you make all all that investment that you just discussed, yeah. What if they don't make it? Yeah, do, that do happens a lot. Decisions have to be made. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes we're, we sign a young player and they do develop, and then four or five years later they leave IMG and go somewhere else. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the the process. But you know, our DNA is so much in tennis. Um, from representing the club here back in the McCormick days to to representing players to owning tournaments. Like tennis is what we do. We're really proud of it. Um, We're good at it. Um, And we we want what's best for the sport. And um, we're okay taking those risks of time, energy, and money if a player doesn't work out. Mm. Yeah, because I suppose it it goes both ways, doesn't it? In as much as a player is probably very excited to be signed by an IMG by you but if if they get that injury that horrible injury that curtails their career or if it doesn't happen for them eventually I mean how how long do you leave that do do you do you just are you committed for a period of time typically or I mean we have representation agreements that last you know three four years and then you know at the end you 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 see how it is if you want to re-sign the player um but we we don't we don't just because maybe they're not panning out um, or, you know, you think they're going to be, you know, top 10 in the world and they become only 50. I mean, we're in it, you know, and we, you build relationships with these players and um, and you're there and you try to help them as much as you can. Sometimes you look at each other both and you're like, OK, this isn't making sense. And you go your separate ways. But we're, we're committed. We're committed to to the process. What makes a good agent and what makes a bad agent for that matter? You know, I, I speak to a lot of people. Um, the, one of the biggest things that I look for is the hustle. You got to be, you got to be able to hustle. Like if you don't have that, 
And I don't think you can teach that. I think that's something you're kind of born with. All the other things I feel like we can teach people uh, how to sell, how to market, but to hustle. You know, you need to be a hustler. You need to turn over every stone. You need to be up till 2 in the morning. You need to, you just, anything more than just hustle. I think that's the key thing to be a great agent. How many hours sleep do you get per night? <laughs> I'm getting, I'm starting I'm, to get worried about you. I'm not, uh, I'm not the poster child for work-life balance. <laughs> don't, don't give David any ideas. We're trying, we're trying to correct his work, work-life balance at the moment. I don't it's an think ongoing you, I process. I don't think you'd find one IMG agent with a very good work-life balance. <laughs> okay, uh, there's no hope for me, Catherine. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fascinating. I just wonder when you. When you come to a tournament like this, or when you embark on working with a young player, like like I said, I, I saw Maria Sharapova interviewed her, and, and I thought, crikey, she really knows what she wants, and she's going to go for this. Whether she's going to be good enough is another matter. A year later, suddenly here it is. When you, as the agent, are presented with that, and yes, you've got your your sort of agreement, and you've, I guess in your mind, you've got maybe an idea of how long it might take for somebody to reach their potential but sometimes it's going to come ahead of schedule how how prepared were you when that did end up happening i tell you i was more prepared for sharapova than radicano <laughs> yeah another uh, one of your clients and uh more prepared for lena than radicano um I mean, listen, I think people forget that Maria came here. She was seeded 13 at 17. She, she, at 16, she was 30 in the world. So, okay, was I thinking that she was going to win Wimbledon that year? Probably not, but we had a pretty good idea, like, things were happening. She was starting to become uh, pretty famous. Um, and we were, I think we were prepared for a big event to happen. Um, and when I say prepared is, you know, you're speaking to brands, you're educating them on your players. So when they win big, you're ready to capitalize on the deal. And that's kind of what our philosophy is. If you believe in the player, like we don't need to take the money now. Um, let's wait. I mean, what keeps me up at night as an agent, like it's to do a deal too early. So, for example, I'll give a bad example here, but um, if I would have done a deal for Sharapova before she won Wimbledon, I'm just making this up, and uh, an insurance company wanted to offer her $5,000, and I did the deal, and then she wins Wimbledon, and I could have had $500,000, like, I can't sleep at night, okay? Like, so if you, I think one of the things being a good agent is the timing of everything, where you see things are going. Do you believe that your client is going to win big? And do the client and the family buy into that? Because sometimes they want that money now. So we had to have a lot of conversations with Maria and her dad that's saying, hey, we're getting offers now, but let's pass on these offers because we think something big is going to happen. And then when that happens, then we're going to capitalize on, on the deals. But if you do an insurance deal now and then she wins and the deal's over, you're kind of out of the insurance category. Like, you can't just keep, you can't have a deal with an insurance company now and then three years later, a different insurance company. You're kind of like in the category and you've used the category. So, there's a lot of strategy into how to do deals, when to do deals. Um, and we work for the clients. So, if the client says, hey, we want the money now, you know, we got to we, we do it. You know, you, you talk to them and, and the philosophy, lucky for, you know, Maria and her dad, they bought into that and they were lucky and they were able to capitalize on that. And Lena as well. And also, you know, Emma, you know, is a little different because it came so fast. But, um, you know, there's a lot of 
time, energy, thought process put into all business that we're doing with our clients. I try to stay off social media, and I know there's a million expert agents on social media <laughs> who think that IMG's doing this, and they could have done that. And, you know, everybody uh, has their opinion, and that's fine, and that goes for everything. But I can promise you there's a lot of, lot of smart people uh, analyzing, um, looking things over, trying to make the right decisions, presenting to the family, and at the end of the day, the family and the client will make the final decision there's a lot of expert podcasters on social oh, media okay, as well so it's yeah just not us. um there's a lot in in that last answer that i think we want to pick up on we definitely definitely want to talk more about emma Raducanu. um i i just wanted to pick up on what you said about the family and tennis parents sure because we talk about them a lot yeah um that there's a lot we know about tennis parents that we can't, you know, we can't always talk about. There's things you hear about behind the scenes. They're a big feature of the sport and they must be a huge feature of your life for, for better and for worse. Sure. Is there a question there? <laughs> how do you, you navigate it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, there's no cookie cutter, right? Every parent is different. Um, some are you see in the player box yelling and screaming some are miles away silent and just as difficult um at the end of the day you know they're the parent and they love their child and they're trying to do everything that's best for their child um and you got to respect that and you got to work with that um and we're we're, we're we're okay with tough with tough parents, and we respect the process. We just, for us, it's just the most important thing is that there's a lot of respect um, on both sides, um, and we're not going. We're um, one thing I'm really proud of our division right now is that we're at a point where we're okay letting clients go. Like it doesn't matter who the client is. Um, what their projection is, how much money they're like. If there's, if you're disrespecting our agents in any way, we're gonna work. We're gonna find a way to let them go, and we've done that um, a couple times over the last 18 months. Um, and you have to be in a really good position to be able to say that to some really good players. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes it's not a great fit. Sometimes. You know, maybe the grass is greener somewhere else for them, and that's okay. But we've worked hard as a division um, to put ourselves in a position to be able to pick and choose who we want to work with. Um, and we're okay with hard. We're okay with tough. But you got to have respect. Like, I'm not going to let any parents, aunts, uncles disrespect any of my agents that are working hard, who have no life work-life balance, who are up all day trying to do the best. And, and that's something that's really important, and I'm really proud of where we are now to be able to, to do that. And we've done that recently. As you say, it's, it's a given that every parent has the intention of trying to help their child. They, they believe they're acting in their child's best interest. But, of course, there will be situations where you can see, with your wealth of experience, that the actions and decisions they're taking on behalf of their child or encouraging their child to take is hurting them. Yes, that's very hard to watch. What do you do in that scenario? I mean, we are very, all we can do is lay out and and agree to disagree and be able to give our experience. And at the end of the day, it's their decision. 
Um, and many times they think they know it better, and, may, and maybe they, maybe sometimes they, they have a better angle. And I'm not saying that we know everything, and we're, and we're the end all, be all. But, um, you know, we, we work for them, and we, we, and we. I will definitely go and disagree, and tell them why I think this is the way to do it, and then respect their opinion. And if, and, and it's, but it's hard to watch sometimes. Sometimes we we talk about from a tennis perspective, we talk about grown ups in the room, and it seems to be a feature of the most successful players, not exclusively, but generally speaking, that that they are grown ups. That that they have, they might have parents that are involved, but they're taking responsibility for themselves and their decisions. Is that a trend that you observe as well? That generally speaking, if you do want to be successful. You have to stand on your own two feet, and parents can be involved, but more in the back seat than in the front. Yeah, it's a tough dynamic because, especially on the women's side, you have a lot of young players that are successful at a young age, and then you need that parent, right? When you're 15, 16, 17, 18, and then all of a sudden you're 23, 24, 25, and wanna and wanna take more ownership. That's a tricky. That's that's tricky, and that's hard, and that's not easy. And I've been through a lot of that. Um, I'd say for the most part, the parents are, are, do a very good job. I will say it's not easy being uh, in this world, global world, uh, independent contractor, not a team sport. It's not easy. And I think overall, a lot of the parents do a very good job. Uh, are there a few that, that, that are difficult and, and ruining things? I think so. But I think you would probably find that in most things if you're looking at uh, uh, in child acting or other, other places around the world. Um, I think it would be pretty similar. I think this is just more exposed, easier to see. Um, but in the end, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not an easy dynamic. It's just, it's just, and it's not cookie cutter. What worked for Sharapova is not going to work for Emma and didn't work for the next one, you know? So that's hard. You mentioned Emma Adekano, who's sadly not here at the moment. She's out injured. Yeah. But the story that you referenced, her winning out of nowhere, pretty much. Okay, she, she had a great run here at Wimbledon. Then she went on her summer and, and, had some good results in the States, and then she just wins the U.S. Open as a qualifier. Even as I say it now, it's still hard to quite believe that that happened. Yeah. I just wonder what what was it like in, I'd say, week two of the U.S. Open for you as an agent? We now know, I think, is it about nine, eight or nine companies she ended up signing significant deals with? Yeah. Really big name companies from Tiffany's to uh, Dior to Porsche you know there's there's so many of them all the very biggest brands yeah what was it like in your phone (laughs) in week two because as you say you don't you can't press yes accept I'll we'll do that now necessarily because what if tomorrow something else comes up and she might actually win the whole thing which she did right well that was that was incredible. I mean, what 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 she did will never happen again. I I, I don't that will never happen again. Um, so I would say once she kind of got to the fourth round, what's happening behind the scenes is the IMG machine. Um, we're activating the IMG machine, and what what does that mean? That means, okay, we're reaching out to the the head of IMG Fashion to say, okay, this is happening. 
can you watch this run? Can you start talking to the brands? And, and maybe we invite them to the matches. Uh, let's just start getting that on the radar. Because what makes IMG great is we have all these experts in all the different fields. I'm not an expert in IMG fashion, as you can see from my dress code today. But, but you know, I call Will Ward, who's got all the relationships with, you know, all the best brands, Dior, Chanel. Um, so he starts, we start activating him. Uh, Will Ward and getting all that going. Um, then uh, we're doing the same thing in the banking category and all the different categories. We are starting to light the IMG machine and getting all these experts within our system starting to get their contacts watching what's going on because something's starting to happen. Um, so I would say that me, my team, uh, Chris Hellyer, Tom Chapman, um, we were all gearing up for that getting the machine ready to watch this now does this ha does this stop in the quarters does this stop in the semis but whatever it is like something's happening now and and let's get the machine going so people are watching so that's how we're spending our time that week just really getting people out there um you know calling anna wintour who you know we're friends with hey anna are you watching what's going on and of course she is because she's a huge <laughs> tennis fan um and she starts talking about okay if she continues to go can we keep her here for fashion week so all these type of conversations are starting to happen gearing up for um what could potentially happen and that's how we are spending our time and and how much of all of that would emma be aware of zero she knows nothing that's going on. So All the way up to the point of when she, I think when she reached the semis, we were starting to pick outfits for her to, if she won. Because you need time for the designers. You just can't give them 12 hours notice. So outfits I think once she go, made to go to, to, uh, to wear for the trophy. Right. Wow. So we had, so our fashion people had, when she won, waiting in the room probably seven or eight different looks that she had no idea about for the next day's photo shoot for the neck for the photo shoot for the trophy they did that day after so she, all that stuff she has no idea about and then is there a point after she wins the next day where you sit her down and go emma this is how your life's changed <laughs> this is what i've been working on this um, is what's happening i mean listen she was obviously exhausted and 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 still there was some commitment so i think we um I think we just let her know, listen, we've been working. This is what we're going to, you know, we're, we're, our, our philosophy. Um, we went through a lot of, you know, what it could look like, you know, how many sponsors, what sponsors. At that time, we were just speaking to her family about, okay, this is how we did it with Sharapova and Lina. Um, this is how we think we should do it. How many days, how many times. Um, just really laying all that out, um, uh, allow, allowing her to enjoy it. Um, and then obviously she went to fashion week and all that stuff, uh, with Anna and everything. And that was a whirlwind and everything. But yeah, we were very protective of everything that was going on and, and kept her away from everything. There's been inevitably a lot of discussion over the last year. She's had horrible run with injuries yeah. about whether she has been enjoying it about she's, she's got all these great opportunities, but are they all actually good for her as a as a person? Now that's not for people like me to to make a decision over. Yeah. But everybody will have an opinion. What what do you do? You have any regrets? Do you do you do you think that your handling of it was as you would do it in hindsight? 
Yeah, I don't think, besides the injuries, which you can't forecast, uh, I don't think anybody is surprised by what happened, what her results have been and what she's had to do. I mean, she skipped so many levels. She skipped so many things. Uh, Anyone who said that she was going to go on and dominate, they just don't understand what was happening there. Um, So... And I, and I think I've said this in a previous podcast that I don't think anything would have changed if we did zero deals or the deals that we did. I don't think anything would have changed. Um, I really believe that. I think that most people think that she's shooting all the time. It's not the case. The days and everything that she's shooting was very mapped out, uh, very strategic. Um, she's a hard worker. She's never on skipping practices. Um, so, but I understand why people see that. They see all the sponsors, they see all the money. Uh, they, they, they have a platform on social and they want to take shots and, and that's kind of part of it. But, um, she's got great partners. We were very upfront with all the partners and told them like, listen, she's not going to, she's not going to keep winning grand slam it's going to take her time if you even look from sharapova most of the teenagers that won it took them two years to win again um and she skipped many steps and 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 many experiences so uh, i'm not surprised by any of the up and down tennis i think she showed some great tennis um and anyone that's betting against her like I wouldn't bet against her. Like, she's going to figure this all out. She's going to settle in. Um, She's young. You don't just accidentally win the U.S. Open the way she did. You have to be great to do what she did. And I think that she will settle and things will get more calm for her. And I think she'll make more deep runs. And I uh, think that she'll she'll win more grand slams when, when it's all said and done. Do I think that she will be in the top five in the world for 20 years? I don't think so. I don't think she's that. But I think she will win more grand slams. I think she will uh, compete to be in the top um, when, when, things set, when things settle down. You said that you stay off social media, which... Sometimes I consider doing that. It's it's a jungle out there, and I think for for mental health preservation, there's a, there's a strong argument for it. But I feel like really young people they can't afford that luxury, particularly not young people in the spotlight, because so much of brand activation is on social media, but also so much of life is on social media for for really young people. So for somebody like Emma, how how difficult is that to cope with what's coming at her on social media and is it part of what you do and what IMG do, do to give her tools to to cope with yeah, all of I that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all the players. I mean, it's not just not just Emma. I mean, it's tough. They lose a match, a gambler's abusing them on social. We, we have a lot of conversations with all of our clients about, you know, trying not to pick up your phone right after a match, especially if you lose all that, all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's, it's a very difficult, uh, as you say, where the world is and and where everything's living. Um, I think it's tough for teenage girls around the world that don't play tennis that have to deal with all the social and the hate and 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 all the different stuff. So that's that's a that's a tough dynamic for all the players. Um, one thing I'd like to add about Emma that I that I think doesn't get enough. I think after she won, I, I don't think her family got enough credit for um, how they handled her the lead-up to Wimbledon uh, and the U.S. Open wins. Here's a girl who never went to a tennis academy, who 
stayed in school, regular school, her whole career, all the way to the end of she. I don't think they. I can't remember a last Grand Slam champion who didn't leave school before the age of fourteen, um, who was willing to sacrifice uh, her pl- tennis development to make sure she got her education. Um, I think we all know the story. She barely played leading up to Wimbledon because she was studying for her. I mean, these are like amazing things that I don't think much of the British media talked about. And I think that's a shame because I think that was very brave of her parents and her to, um, again, sacrifice her tennis development for education. I don't see that ever happening anywhere. I don't think there'll ever be another Grand Slam champion again that wins after going to regular school. So I think that story uh, was a miss. Um, and I think overall, though, that I think the British press has done a pretty good job of, 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 of following her and writing about her. I think the coaching... Uh, thing I, now I'm, I'm putting in my own topic, so I hope you don't mind. Well, but I, I want to get on to the, the okay. coaching thing. What the reason being, Max, I've heard you say in a previous interview that you can't really think of many top players who don't have calm waters Correct. around them. Emma's had several coaches in the last two years. She she worked with Andrew Richardson through this incredibly successful period. Yeah. And then stopped working with him yep. and has started and stopped working with several coaches since. That doesn't feel like calm waters to me in that regard. She's got the continuity of you, and, but not in the coaching world. So is, is, that, is that a mistake? Is that some, and, and why is that? And is that something that you would want to do differently in the okay, future? That, that's a good question. I'm glad you brought up. Um, okay, how do I want to tackle this? Um, Okay, so the coaching situation, right or wrong, and, and, and this is something that her dad and, and Emma pretty much control, uh, kind of all the coaching stuff. That's been their philosophy all the way up through the juniors, is that they never had coaches a long time. I think you probably hear you've, you've heard of that. So for them, that's calm waters, having a coach for four or five months and then going on to somebody else. That is not traditional. That is not um, the norm for most things, that you win a Grand Slam and they change the coach. But I think you see players changing coaches all the time on the, on the tour, especially on the women's tour. Um, I think people just have a hard time understanding how you can get to the fourth round of Wimbledon and then how you don't keep working with Nigel Sears, who's a great coach and a great guy. And all people, when she stopped working with Nigel, were killing her, and then she won the U.S. Open. So you were killing her for for not staying with Nigel, but then she won the U.S. Open. So, okay, then she changes coaches again. Now, Andrew Richardson's a great guy and a very good coach, and he was definitely part of that success. But so was Tim Henman, who was really helping her a lot. And quite frankly, her dad was the one who was putting in a lot of the game plans um, for the matches. So perspective, it doesn't look great to the people who want everything to be wrapped up in a perfect bow. I understand that. I see that. But for the family, that's just the way they've always done it. And I think people just need to get over the fact that that's what she's going to do. It's probably going to be like that for the rest of her career. Really? I think so, because that's, what, that's what's comfortable for them. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, 
but that's how they've done it, and it's worked for them. Okay, she plays great tennis, and 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 let me add to that: we're not sitting here in a sport that has a plethora of great coaches. Maybe there's eight or nine or ten really good tennis coaches. And most of those eight or nine or ten are probably not the ones that people would think. Um, And the reason that is is just because if you're a great coach, most of the great, great coaches, they don't want to travel 40 weeks a year. They don't want to leave their family. So you have this small pool of coaches that are willing to travel 40 weeks or 35 weeks a year and charge very little money. So they just keep getting recycled and recycled and recycled. And that's why you see coaches just hopping around. So. It's not like we're sitting here in a sport that has crazy amount of great coaches. Her and her dad have their own philosophy. Richard Williams had his philosophy when he came on. That was a different philosophy. Yuri Sharapov had his philosophy. So all these people, and I understand that it's uncomfortable. I understand that it doesn't doesn't fit in this pretty box that everyone wants to see. But if Emma Raducanu's biggest issue is that she's changing coaches every four months, I'll sign up for that. But doesn't that hinder development potentially for her in the next stage of the career? Yes, she's had this incredible flashbulbs moment of winning the US Open, but she missed all those stages of, of development and foundation. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Isn't... A stable environment. I think Tracy Austin said that you need a stable environment to help you build the blocks and the foundation. I I understand what you're saying, but I I don't think they, for whatever reasons, believe that. I think it's comfortable for her to change coaches often because she's done it since she's a little girl. Um, And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And I understand why people think that she should be with a coach for a long time. And maybe the coach will come along that that is happening. But... That's just the way they've done it. And I, and I don't think 
and I think it's fine to do things differently. I think there's many people that come onto this tour and do things differently. And I think, I, I, again, I don't think any perceived issues with her tennis game is because she, the coaching wasn't right. I think it's because she went through an enormous an event that just rocked her world and anyone's world just the expectations i mean you got to imagine she won the u.s open then started playing tournaments big tournaments she didn't even know where the player lounge was she didn't know where the locker room i mean she had a whole year to know where things were so again if she had the greatest coach of all time if harry hopman came back and lived with her and stayed with her and was with her i don't think anything would have been different does the philosophy present any issues for for you and whoever it might be doing these deals in terms of recruiting the best coaches if there's no job security there if that's openly their yeah, philosophy that's a good is, question is that an issue i would think so i think i would think so i think there probably are coaches that that might be afraid to take the to, to, to take the shot because they've seen the track record i, I think that's a fair assessment do you, you represent uh, a lot of women and a lot of young women. Yeah. Do you think it would be, and obviously this is you know a long-term thing, it's not going to change overnight. Generally speaking, their teams are extremely male-dominated. Do you think it would be healthy if there were more female coaches available so there could be more women around these young women as they're developing as players and as people? I th- I can't agree more with that. I think there would be this sport would be better off with more women and 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 all in all aspects, just not in the coaching. Um, when I took over running the IMG tennis division five years ago, we've added I think three or four female agents. I thought it was a huge mistake that we didn't have more female agents, and we're looking. Uh, and some of the female agents we have now. Uh, are some of the best we have in our division. Uh, Li Chi, a Chinese uh, female uh, agent who's based in Beijing, who's got all of our Chinese clients, is doing unbelievable. She's she's one of the best. So I would say across the board, more female coaches, more female agents, more more females in general would be um, would be great for our industry. The world treats men and women differently. Does that mean you? have to treat male and female clients differently is that something you have to factor uh, in no i don't i don't think so i think it's again not a cookie cutter thing what works for one client is different and that's men or women so i, I don't think so you're involved in coach appointment for players though is that right Gen- generally speaking i mean uh, obviously parents uh, not, are involved i too. mean usually usually it's you know the player will call me up and be like i i want a new coach can you give me a list of four or five coaches that are available and then we present the list and some some you know <laughs> I, I tell a funny story that that happened to me and lena once and she said you know can you put a list of coaches together and i said no problem and the next day i sent her a list with one coach carlos rodriguez and she said i asked for a list of all i said yeah i sent you the list this is the only coach that <laughs> that you should be coached she's like oh, but i want to see that little list i said just go talk to this guy this guy's gonna be and then she but so you know i had a special relationship with lena where i can talk like that um or maria but most of the time you know even you know in emma's case you know we they like a list of coaches that are available sometimes they'll ask us opinion um but usually in the end 
until you try, it doesn't matter what's on paper. Like you got, I've been so many times, I'm like, this is going to be the best player-coach relationship in the world. And then they go try two weeks and they hate each other. And then there's ones where I'm like, you know, I mean, I manage Madison Keys since age 12. I mean, she changes coaches. I mean, we're at the point now where I just, I just I'm like, listen, I'm out. Okay, you pick your own coach. I'm not even providing a list. And I love her to death. She's like part of my family. So, um, again, you know, there, if you look on tour, people are changing coaches all the time. And I don't think the fact that the Emma's is any different, but I do think that the the it was just hard for people they couldn't understand uh, the U.S. Open one. And I and I and and I understand the perception of that. You mentioned Lena. I wanted to ask you about her because the association with her is is different in that she wasn't uh, a teenager when she came into yeah. your world and you came into her world T- tell us a little bit about about that and how it developed because it it sounds with her background that it might not have been as straightforward as, no. as working with a young player so i the first time i ever saw lena was at the second or third round of the 2006 u.s open when she was playing maria i think it was second round it was the year maria won the u.s Open, beat hennon in the final and she played lena in the second round and Maria beat her pretty good, but I was like, this girl's unbelievable. And I remember, like, running after the match to find out, like, who this girl is. And and I, I've she was wearing Nike, so I contacted my friends at Nike. Anyway, she the, the Chinese, the CTA, the Chinese Tennis Association, and the government had her wrapped up. They made it pretty clear that they made it pretty clear to me to just, like, back off and, and don't even get near involved. So the last thing I wanted was to get stolen out of my bed at night. So I kind of just I kind of just left that alone. Um, but then as, and I was watching her career and everything, just loved the way she played, just believed she could be a great player. Um, and then at 2008, around the uh, Beijing Olympics, I started hearing these rumors that, the, that, that she was going to be able to become free or something or not, the CTA wasn't going to have control of her. So then I reached out to Nike again and at the 2009 U S open, um, I had my first meeting with her. Um, and, uh, I was so nervous. I met her at the Radisson Hotel. I got all prepared. I have this deck and everything trying to sell me an IMG. And she comes in the room and she looks at me and she goes, uh, you, uh, you made Sharapova rich and uh, I'm going to sign with you. I, so I had this whole pitch. I'm like, I didn't know, like, oh, she's, did she just say she's signing? I didn't even get the pitch yet. And she's like, yeah. Because uh, before she, the, the, CTA that they were were taking like 80% of her money. Now she negotiated her own new deal that she was able to keep 80%. Um, and she did, had no money and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, so we started and not knowing each other. It was a little rocky in the beginning. She never met anybody or seen anybody like me before in her life. Um, but she started to realize how much I believed in her and how much I trusted, how much, uh, trust I had in her game and, and believed in her. And then as she started winning, it just all started to happen. And we have a, she's also coming here, uh, with her family. I'm going to see her, uh, in a couple of days, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that's, that's great to hear that she's, she's coming. Um, she's playing the legends. That's fantastic. Yeah. Does she know her partner yet? I want to say Rodwanska, but don't quote me. <laughs> And we did deals for her. <laughs> I mean, it's actually representing Lena, I imagine, was a, a different kind of challenge because she she's going to appeal to, to different sponsors in a different part of the world. That 
I suppose speaks to how you need to be able to lean on other people at times. Oh, I mean, I tried. The funniest thing is I tried to manage her and do deals for her from, like, Miami. And, like, these companies are, like, this American. Uh, so it, it was it was a disaster. So I remember I flew to Beijing to our office there. We have a great office there that's been there. McCormick started many years Um and I was recruiting a team of people to help me manage her. I ran into this young uh, executive, Kathy Dwan. She was really young, like an assistant. She spoke great English. I, I just loved her. I recruited her on, and she started helping me manage. Now she manages her full time. I mean, I'm barely, they barely even call me. Um, I oversee a lot of this stuff, but yeah, so we had a whole team. We have a team of maybe seven or eight people within Beijing that were managing Lina, and I was just setting the the tone and the and and the objectives of where we're going. But they were doing all the deals and everything in China. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to see here that she's coming here. I, I suppose I wondered what her life was like now, in a, in a way. And you know, we've heard so much about China in the tennis world in the last couple of years, and. Something else I heard you say about two and a half years ago was that you felt the women's tour had taken itself too much to China and was too embedded in the country with, with all of its business. Now, since then, Peng Shui posted what she posted. She wasn't heard from. The whole outcry took hold. It was a, it was a global story. And the WTA removed themselves from China for a period of time. They've now recently climbed down from that and said they're going back. I just wondered, in your experience, and, and whether, you, whether you still feel as you felt a couple of years ago about that story. Yeah, I think it's been pretty documented. I'm sure the WTA would prefer me not keep running my mouth. It's no, I don't have any, any... I mean, I love the WTA. I love everything they're doing. Um, I made my career on in my life on female tennis players and i was very supportive i i just disagree with that move at that time to go that many tournaments into china just because you know if lena was 20 years old and you had this runway uh with all these tournaments i can understand but lena was at the end of her career and then you're going all in and then she's gone with no other chinese players i just i just i just thought it was way too much and too many big events and you know i think what did they have nine events in china i think probably they should have had one event and three small events it was probably enough i believe in going into the market i just you know chasing the money and going in there i just didn't see how you could have success so interesting here hearing an agent talk about chasing the money as maybe not the way to go because i mean obviously you you want to make as much money as you can for your clients but but some of the best deals i've done are the deals that i haven't done that i've we've said no to i mean i I know the perception of an agent is just money 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 but it's short-term money it's not long-term money so you know you know there's many times if i'm doing a deal and somebody's going to pay me a million dollars but they're going to market my client with they have no money to market my client but they're going to pay my client 200 grand but they're going to spend 10 million marketing i'd rather have 200 grand with 10 million of marketing than a million with no marketing because the marketing is going to lead to other deals and other more business down the road so i know the perception is oh we're agents and all we care about money and maybe that's like that in the team sports because they have big contracts in them, but the but the independent, the golf and the tennis, like we're really thinking things through, and it's not all about following the money because you're chasing the money now, and then where are you? You're losing money. Like I've always felt like the championships 
should not be in the city that offers the most money. It should be in the city that offers the biggest success, the biggest crowds. Um, the finals, the tour the finals. finals. Yeah. It shouldn't be. I'd rather take less money and be in a place where it's packed and it's great for the sport and you're and you're and you're um, motivating young players, young people to fans to come. For me, that's a more success than having more money. So, if cash isn't always king if other things are factored in to to decision making regarding deals and partnerships where do ethics feature i mean i'm imagining people are listening to this after wimbledon we're anticipating saudi arabia being a big feature of certainly what the press want to talk about yeah. over the next couple of weeks especially given Carlos Alcaraz saying after he won Queens that that he would be happy to play in Saudi Arabia and what we're hearing coming from the ATP them holding talks about some sort of formal partnership taking place what are your feelings on Saudi Arabia getting involved in the sport how you would advise clients in terms of taking deals from that country right and and factoring ethics into to those decisions yeah i think and, and and back to the china like if you're going to go and if you're going to go into a market you got to play by their rules that you know what you're getting into like the peng shui thing the, none of us agree with that but that are any of us surprised by that that's what communism is right that's that's how they do those things there and i'm not you know so if you're going to go to a market that's you got to make the decision are you going to be able to live with the things that are happening there the flip side of it is can your presence there help change some of that and i hope and i hope that if we if the sport does move in there there's some conditions of trying to help with women rights there and and all the different things that are happening i'm not i don't know all the facts of everything that's happening i mean i have enough issues and problems that are happening in my own country I mean that I don't agree with that's happening um, so the United States we're no poster child for anything that's going on um, but I think those are tough decisions that the that the leaders of our sport need to take and if we do go there hopefully there's some sort of caveat some sort of something that can help change some of the things that are happening there but those are tough decisions. Do you prefer a client that that speaks out about stuff that they believe in, or do you prefer a a Republicans buy sneakers too type approach? The famous Michael Jordan quote. Uh, uh, yeah, I prefer my client to be themselves, and if that if they if they want to use uh, the sport uh, as a platform to talk about things that are important for them, then that's great. And if they want to shut down and just worry about tennis and do that that's great and our job again i've used this it's not a cookie cutter our job is to is to help our clients uh maximize what they're looking to do and their platforms um and we're always there to try to help make that happen for them is that ever a conversation a a client saying i believe in this i would like to make a statement about this this asking this question is making me think about um a scene from the i don't know if you've seen the taylor swift documentary on on netflix where she's she's talking to her whole team about how she wants to speak out ahead of an election and her team her dad included are saying this could half the number of people that want to show up to your concerts you know you need to know what you're doing here and she says i hear you 
I'm glad we've had this conversation, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Are those conversations that happen as in, I want to do this. Yep. Okay. I'm not going to stop you from doing that, but do know that this will yes, impact. That, that's part things. of our job Yeah. is to lay it out to them that if this is the avenue you want to go down there, we'll support you. But these are the potential consequences. Here they are. You make your decision. Right. Definitely. That's part of the job. Actually, I think related to that to some degree the the final question i have really for you max is just in this world where you're trying to maximize and make the best for your clients people who i get the sense many of whom you care about you know you develop a a sort of a longevity of relationship with do you ever worry at all about what the money might do to their lives Obviously, there's, a, there's untold good that it's doing for them and opportunities it gives them. But the fame, the money, the role that you're playing to bring the success, you, do, you, do you ever worry at night about the, the, sort of the potential downsides? Are there potential downsides? Um, I don't... Again, we... If you're looking at the Emirata Khanna situation or any of those players that have thrusted into the thing, you know, our job is to is to educate them on on what's available to them. You know, on the Emma situation, we could have done a hundred deals, a hundred. Okay, and she could be doing deals and deals and deals. They left millions and millions of dollars on the table. They strategically took the best brands with the most with the most limited time, the brands that understood that it's going to be a rocky road. None of her sponsors have ever called up and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe she's not winning. Uh, none of no one. So I know people want to say, oh, the pressure, she's got the pressure. I think the pressure she has is that she won a great tournament. She wants that feeling again, and she wants to keep winning. I don't think she's as a, she's waking up and being like, oh, my God, HSBC is mad. The sponsors couldn't be more supportive, even through the injury. Um, I know people want to say that the, the narrative, the big bad IMGs bringing in all this money and making them take deals like I mean we're a pretty well established company like we're not living and dying on a commission for for Emirata Kanu or, or nothing the, our lights are going to stay on in the office I mean so maybe some of these smaller one man agencies are desperate for players to do deals and are pushing them to do deals because they need the money to travel business class to tournaments and all this other stuff but for us like we don't need that like we want to try to do the best thing for the client so we have the client for for a long time like one of the, some of the proudest in my career is that I've managed Maria Sharapova for 23 years I mean that's a long time. I managed Lena for 15 years. I managed Madison Keys for 17 years. Like to have those long relationships, and it's not always rosy and great. You have disagreements. You have days where you're not talking to each other. But to have long relationships like that, you have to be always putting the player first, and not yourself, and not the IMG commission. Because if you're doing that, the player, the player sees that and feels that. And you can't have long relationships. Isla Tumlanager, one of my clients for 15, 17 years. I mean, you can't be the greedy agent, always taking money, always trying to to have long relationships like that. So we're always trying to do the right thing. We're always educating them. We can't make decisions for them. Um, and we're not mo- – yes, we're motivated to, to, to maximize their earnings, but we don't need the, the commission – to keep our life lives on and, and to continue to go so we're in a great position uh we've got great leadership at our company 
great people that have run the tennis division before me to put us in a place to be have great clients and give and like I said before opportunity like if a client is disrespectful and we we're ready we're ready to let them go and um yeah so that's a long-winded answer oh it's really fascinating it's a it's an insight into uh, an area of the tennis ecosystem that that everybody knows exists you know all of our listeners but you don't actually hear that much about the nitty-gritty so i i think i mean i've learned a lot i'd like to just i'd like to just say that the good thing about tennis it's a small sport when you look at all the big there's a lot of great people in our sport like even some other you know agencies like even the other agents competitive agents there are a lot of good people um some agents that have been colleagues of mine that went on to start their own little little shops um you know tony gothic and and federer and 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 other just good good people um in our industry and all this i think we're lucky for that it's not so like that in football and all these other sports so we got a sport that we're really lucky i think very everyone's passionate about it and we just have a lot of good people in our sport and and that's and that's pretty cool we think so yeah yeah we're we're pretty proud to work (laughs) on it as well um thank you for joining us max okay guys we um we really appreciate it we have a couple of formalities that we do at the end of every show okay tell me are you are you an animal person i am okay (laughs) wonder who we can get to be a mascot for max we have our personal mascots (laughs) yeah i've got xenia i've got Maisie, and matt has darwin yeah Sorry, sorry, Darwin, that you're not represented on today's show. Uh, my dog, Billie Jean, is sponsored by Billie Jean King okay. and Alana Kloss. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like saying that on every show, Max. Um, we have executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. They are top folks, the lot of them. Have I missed anything out, David? No, I think you're there. We are there. Max, thanks ever so much. We Thank appreciate you. your time. Appreciate it. Good luck this Wimbledon. Yeah. Again, everyone listening will know whether one of your clients won the thing, or maybe even two. Will you be a nervous wreck if one of them is on the cusp I tell you what, the, the best part of my new job is that I'm not as invested into the matches. Right. I'm not, I don't go to many matches. I'm usually in meetings all day, uh, setting up shop at the IMG house. Um, so I don't miss the... the the player box four all in the third up love 40 choking <laughs> double faulting coming back like i don't miss any of that um that all my clients have put me through so i'll sit back um we, listen we we had three out of the four semifinalists in the french open um we had both champions um we had both in the men's final uh u.s open in the last two years we've had uh three out of the four semifinalists both winners junior we're 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 in a great place. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. So <laughs> I like my chances, um, but uh, there's some great players, this great generation that's coming. It's very exciting. Um, and listen, there's nothing better than, than Wimbledon. Sure isn't. Can't wait for the next two weeks. Hope you've enjoyed them. Uh, and Max, thanks for joining us. We will speak to you soon. Thank you. 
Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 